Welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. I am your host, Bridget Conry, coming to you from the dialed studio at Hula on the shores of beautiful Lake Champlain in Burlington, Vermont. In today's episode, we speak with Andrew Shelley of Brio Coffee Works, based in Burlington, Vermont. Andrew is fresh off his second place finish in the U.S. Cup Tasters Championship, which took place last month at the Specialty Coffee Expo in Portland, Oregon. We'll hear about the competition itself and the training required to compete at the highest level in the coffee industry. We'll be right back. So today we are excited to welcome Andrew Shelley from Brio Coffee Works here to the High Fidelity Podcast. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Good, thank you. Before we get started and talk about your recent competition at the Specialty Coffee Expo, I wanted to just kind of give a shout out to Brio, who you work for, and also explain like why we're talking about coffee on the High Fidelity Podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, this podcast was never going to be just about cannabis. You know, we're focusing on cannabis quite a bit this first three seasons this first year because it is what we've been doing for the past 10 years uh, on the medical side and it's something we care deeply about and it is Vermont's first year too on the legal side so we thought it would be really important to be educating the new consumers about what to expect and having a place where people in the industry could come together and talk about what's happening and share their knowledge. I'm an herbalist too. My background is also in food. I've been you know, had ran cafes for 20 years before I got into the cannabis industry. Yeah. You know, I was a barista for 12 years of my life. I love coffee. I love not just drinking good coffee and, and searching out cool cafe experiences, but I love working in that cafe experience in the community that comes around coffee. I think coffee brings people together. It's one of my favorite plant-based rituals. I do yeah. it every day, just like <laughs> I do cannabis. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's kind of like what we're looking to create uh, in our new retail experience. You know, we're working with uh, Nate and Magda at Brio to create a coffee station where people can self-serve espresso and we'll be selling Brio's coffee and ready-to-drink beverages. And so, and, you know, we chose Brio because we love what they're doing in the coffee space. You know, they've been around since, what, 2014? Yeah, yeah, just about. I think, and kind of we're leading in that like gourmet light roast style here in Vermont. Recently, we're voted one of the top 10 roasters in the country by Food & Wine. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and they really, you know, I think they care passionately about bringing people together around coffee and education and always searching out kind of like the highest coffee experience. And so we're, we're like-minded in that way. And that's why we were really excited to hear about you yeah, absolutely. And, and them supporting you at this cup tasters competition, which I didn't know a lot about. I mean, I've attended, Not many do. <laughs> yeah, I've attended some local like latte art competitions here in Burlington. So let's, let's talk about, you know, what the competition was like and, and how you work with Brio to like, you know, train to be able to compete at this level. So yeah. when did you decide that you wanted to enter this competition? <laughs> um, and they were, I mean, they supported you. I mean, this is not an individual effort. I mean, obviously 
props to you because you're the one who's doing it in the moment and it's your palate and your ability to stay focused and disciplined to do it. But obviously they yeah. supported you to get there. And so I guess let's start with like, what is the Cup Tasters competition? So the Cup Tasters is one of six competitions within the coffee competitions uh, for like the U.S. coffee competitions and there's the worlds beyond that. And so it is one of them. And this is the way I describe it is the most brute force of all the competitions. It is the most objective. There is no subjective element to this. And hmm. essentially what is given to you is you have, and at the national level, you're given eight cups, or sorry, eight groupings of three cups of coffee. Mm -hmm. And they're laid across in a straight line across from you. And you go down the line and you're going to taste each coffee. Two of them are the same and one of them is different. It's very straightforward, and you just have to go through as fast as you can, taste all eight groups, and decide which of those three is different. And each of the eight. Yeah. Yeah. So. And so how do, is it restricted by how much time you have to do that? So you have eight minutes to do it, but you really have to, so. That's my, only a minute for each grouping. Essentially, yeah. Um, and you're going to spend some more times on other groupings and yeah. less on others. But it is as fast as you can finish. So, for instance, uh, I'll just keep it for the final round that I was in at the U.S. Coffee Competition. I came in second place, and there was four of us there who had moved on to that final round where there was four. They break it up into heats. And in that, I came in second. I got a perfect score. I got all eight groupings right. Whoop, whoop. And I got it in about three minutes and 30 seconds. It took me wow. to try all of them and get a perfect score. The person who beat me did it in under two minutes and 20 seconds. Wow, that's fast. Both Very of those fast. are fast. <laughs> yeah, and both of us had a perfect score. So there was one person who was a little faster than me. Uh, they had it in about three minutes, uh, but they got one wrong, so they got a seven out of eight. Because it's graded first on accuracy and then second on time. Got we it. were making jokes the entire time where we were saying we need a, a fast seven or a slow eight. Was kind of our thing <laughs> to move on to the next round and move on to the next right. round because, yeah, you you really had to get at least seven out of eight to continue to, to continue move on, on. Uh, which is very difficult to do. Uh, there was one round where a six out of eight hmm. was able to move on because it is just entire like it's very difficult. These are some of the best tasters, you know, tasters yeah, in, in the, the country. Yeah, and like we did practices where we had other individuals who have been working in coffee for years come and just try it blind and they were getting two or three out of eight it takes practice hmm. and i would have been in that same boat if i hadn't been practicing as well right and so let's just go back for a second and kind of understand like how many competitions you had to get through in order to get there yeah <laughs> um and i know that brio actually hosted one of the competitions again they're like very involved at a high level in the industry and so was that the first Elimination round for yeah. you was on your home turf? Yeah, so that was uh, the preliminary rounds. So the way the U.S. coffee competitions kind of go is you have a preliminary, you have a quarterfinal, or sorry, a, uh, a qualifier round, and then you have the U.S. final. And at the preliminary round, it is hosted across the entire country. You can sign up as a roaster or a coffee shop, and they select a certain amount. So I think they had maybe 30 different locations across the U.S., including um, Hawaii. Got there was it. one. And you would go to these, and you pick the one that's closest to you, or you can really go to any of them. 
And oh, so if there was one in Chicago, you could yeah. have gone to that if you couldn't do the one here. Yeah, so we Got had it. we hosted one at uh, in Burlington. We had people come from uh, Greenville, South Carolina. The methodical crew came up. Wow. Uh, we had someone come from Kansas City to come to ours. And so, like, because you're kind of one, you're looking at what's closest to you, but also what aligns best with my schedule. Well, how many people, is there a limit on how many people can compete in that first preliminary one? So, yeah, so they, I think for us, it was set at like 45 or 50 Hmm. were able to compete. And And how many move on from that? So the top three get an automatic spot at qualifiers. Hmm. And then you can sign up after that to still get a spot. There's a very select amount that are kind of like random signups. Um, that huh. you can sign up to do qualifiers. Can you, like, if you don't make it in the one that's hosted around here, if there's one coming up in two weeks yep. somewhere else, can you try again? Absolutely. There's several cool. people who bounced around from preliminary to preliminary yeah. to try to, like, get in and get that automatic qualifier spot. It's good practice, too. It I is. I think, under pressure. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to do it at home. It's another thing mm-hmm. to do it you know, in front of a crowd. Yeah, and for that, it was um, that same, like, Groups of three, um, but there was five groupings for that. So it started smaller. Qualifiers was the next, and there was two qualifiers. There was one in Denver this year, and there was one in Baltimore. Uh, we actually went to the one in Denver, so we went far away this time right. uh, because uh, I had another training mate and partner who was competing as well from Brio, uh, Sean Coyne. He's one of our roasters. Cool. Um, and so we both did qualifiers. He was uh, out of town. like He had a trip planned for almost a year. Right, he, like he was going to Ireland. <laughs> gonna, he's like, he's like, I'm not going to skip Ireland to do this. That, and so we went to the Denver one. Nice. And the top 15 out of roughly 50 people um, get to move on from the qualifier gotcha. to go to nationals from each. So, so the two are feeding the one, which yes. is at nationals. Which so there's in, 30 people yeah. that end up going to nationals gotcha. after it's all said and done. And that was a couple weeks ago, and it yep. was in Portland. Oregon, mm-hmm. and it's is it always at the Specialty Coffee Expo? They yeah, it started. They started doing that. Um, I think right before COVID, mm-hmm. it kind of they had it as their own thing, and then they would have the expo, and I think they just made it really easy for coffee lovers, coffee yeah. individuals, because you're already going to be dedicating time to go. Especially like people who are passionate are usually Definitely. the ones who are competing. Yeah, it's, it gets very expensive to try to do two different trips <laughs> as well. And so to kind of tie them together, and it kind of made sense as well because you have this specialty coffee expo where people are going there to, you know, see what's new in coffee. And here you have these up-and-coming baristas who are proving who they are. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. It's very fun. It's very so, difficult. <laughs> yeah. And so, all right. So you you made it there. Yeah. Um, and you had, what, three Three rounds? Like you had to get through two, like quarters, semis, and then the the championship? So there's four rounds. Uh, So the first round goes, and the top eight will move on from there, and you have a top 16. Then you have the top 16, and then the top eight, so you have a final eight, and then you have the top four. And so from the top four is how you place. Got it. So that was over the course of three days or two days? So that was that was over three days, yeah. It was over so, three days. Yeah. So the first competition, so the first round was on Friday. Yeah. Second round was on Saturday, and then Sunday had the semifinal and the final. So yeah. I had to go twice. Gotcha. Um, on one is, day. Yeah. Which yeah. is very difficult because you get very palate fatigued. By I the was end. One, I was one of my questions. It's yeah. like, how do you maintain your palate through all this? And like, yeah, I'll stop there. How do you do it? <laughs> um, 
leading up to the to the like competing that day, uh, I'm not drinking any coffee. I'm usually not eating, um, which is. You know, sometimes you're not competing till noon or later. Right. So just um, because that's that whatever you eat is going to kind of like line the yeah, palate. That and I mean, I it's kind of funny. I like and I was thinking about this and was talking about it when I was there during practice. I would be working a full shift like as a barista. I'm tasting espresso all day long yeah. and then I would go straight to practice huh. and like tended to do very well in practices right. and stuff. So, like, it didn't really affect me that much. But there is this mind over matter part of it. And also, like, there is science to say, like, depending on what you're eating, like, that will have some effect on your palate, especially, like, spicy foods, sour foods, different things. Like, mm-hmm. and you really do feel it. Like, hmm. eight rounds, you're, you're tasting the equivalent of 24 coffees. And so by going through, you know, 24 of anything after like within the same realm of you know product is yes. going to taste the same like yeah. you might be able to tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi first go at it but if you were to have a lineup of Coke and Pepsi and have to try 24 straight it's going to get it starts hard. to get blurry <laughs> and these huh. are made to intentionally be difficult right this isn't like something where it's just like if I were to like equate it to wine which a lot of people understand wine much better than coffee this isn't like tasting like a pinot and then having a like riesling or something next right. to it and it's like hmm, figure out which one's there it's like having two pinots on the board and then having a third that's pinot but they take 10 percent of a different pinot and put it into there right i was wondering about that like yeah. what the differences were because there are rules about like one how the coffees are prepared in the background, yep. right? And the cup size and the volume that's yeah. like put in each cup. And like, you can't touch the cups until you've determined, right? Did yeah. I read that yep. correctly? Yeah, like absolutely. they're lined out in a straight line and you just got to use your own spoon. Yeah, you have a special spoon. That's <laughs> Do you have a lucky to... spoon? I kind of have a lucky spoon. At this point, it's a lucky spoon. <laughs> yes, right. It is now, right? <laughs> I, I didn't have a lucky spoon. I was just like, ah, oh, I'm just going to go. And like, ah, oh, people get too worked up about this. Like, you do want to have a specific type yeah. of spoon to do it. Made out of a certain material? It's not even a certain material. It's got to be bold in the right kind of way because – and it has to be easy to slurp from. It's So it doesn't matter if it's aluminum or copper no, or steel or Not really. Like uh, I would probably avoid something like copper yeah. just with the acidity of some of the coffees. I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference, but I would say probably a coated spoon huh. is going to be best. Something that's not going to impart React. any flavor. Yeah. That would, I'd say, would be very important. But really it's more about the shape. So the shape of the spoon. In fact, I have some spoons that I really don't like for mm. competition that are made for competition. Oh. And then I have others that are made for competition that I do like. Right. So uh, you get your own personal preference. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of the way. So, like, I have one that the bowl of the spoon is not very deep. And so I like to fill up my spoon to a certain level so I can have the exact same amount of coffee that I'm tasting. And I'm usually spitting, too. I'm not swallowing. Like, that's right. a... I mean, everybody does, right? You you don't want to drink it. Some people do. Oh, no kidding. Um, Everyone has a different technique. It's kind of like the running joke of the thing is if you, you know, swallow or spit. Yeah, right. (laughs) Is kind of like, but like it's it's an honest thing. Like everyone has a preferential thing for what they try to do. Some people, you can have water with you and you can take sips of water throughout if you want. I don't like doing that because once again, like for me also, it's all about time. And right. stuff as well. And through practice, like, did a lot of practice to, like, 
get techniques and like knowing like how fast and like where I'm going to end up being like for me, water wasn't improving my scores at all. Huh. So it is um, like, there's all these different, like everyone does it differently. Everyone has different spoon preferences. Everyone, you know, like I don't like to swallow because you know, you're adding at extra points for which coffee is going to get stuck to you and flavor. So like, Having, like, if you ever have something, like, super bitter in your mouth, Mm -hmm. as some of the coffees are super bitter or super roasty and, like, smoky, some of them are super acidic, and so when you're... They do that on purpose. Yeah, so there's going to be all different... Yeah, yeah, and so they're going to put in, it's not like, we're going to have the smoky coffee next to this, like, really bright, citrusy coffee. It's like, we're going to put the smoky coffee next to another smoky coffee. Right. Good luck when you taste that first smoky coffee. You have to, you know, essentially move on past that smoke and determine if the next smoke is a different smoke. Right. <laughs> Which is very hard to do. Yeah. Because they like after you taste smoke, everything's gonna taste yeah, like smoke. Totally. Um, and so by swallowing for me, like, you know, as you exhale, you're gonna be tasting more of that smoke or whatever it is. And it gets really hard to try to cancel that out and move on to the next flavor note. <laughs> Can you I mean you can't touch the cup, mm-hmm. right? Once you start with a trio yeah do you have to stay there or can you like taste it and then move on and move back to it so so you can taste the the, all the coffees as long as you're not touching the cups you can move on to the next one and you can come back uh which is kind of one of the funny things that happened for me in the competition is during practice i would never go back to a group i would taste that group until i kind of figured it out and i would move the cup forward that i thought was different and move on even if I like took me a long time or if I, you know, couldn't really figure it out, I didn't like to go back. Right. I thought it added too much time. It didn't really improve accuracy from my perspective when I was practicing. But this is like in practice, what I realized is there's no harm in getting something wrong. You just right. go back to practice and then right. you go again the next day and you try to do better. Yeah. Once you're in competition, you don't want to get something wrong. And that first round when I was going, I hit the, I was in my first grouping and I was able to figure out which coffee it was pretty quickly. And I moved cup, the cup forward and then hit group two in group two, I was really struggling on and I had no idea which one was which. And I'm just like, I just have to move something forward. Cause that's what I practice. Like I just have to push a cup forward. Right. And I pushed a cup forward and I moved on to the group three. And I'm tasting that, and I'm like, I still have no idea which one's different. And I was, like, in my head, and I was getting really panicked. Mm. Because I'm just like, I cannot go through eight coffees and continuously just kind of put a cup forward on a whim. I'm just like, I think it's this one, but not sure. Like, that would just be miserable. And I'm just like, I like I never did. I was like, I'm going to skip this. Yeah. And then I like, can I ask one. you something? Yeah. What do you do when you feel that panic coming up? Do you have like a, a coping mechanism <laughs> for uh, that? And are you like, do you wear headphones or stuff to keep the noise out? Some people do. The, yeah. the winner uh, was wearing headphones. Uh, there is a lot going on. There's like some, sometimes it's pretty quiet. But like when we were going, uh, the barista competition was going on at the same time, oh. which is a uh, presentation. So they're giving the speech <laughs> essentially as they're presenting. So that was going on at the same time. Uh, I was able to pretty easily tune that out. Like yeah. I'm so focused, but there yeah. was a couple of times where someone would say, say, it was kind of funny. There was a couple of times where people were talking um, for their presentation for the barista and they're so intelligent and they're so well-spoken. 
and they would say something, and I was like, "Taste." I'm like, "Dang, they just really nailed that." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, like, oh, wow, that was good. You Multitasking know, kind of, during a national <laughs> championship. <laughs> it was kind of like, like, uh, so that that was kind of a funny thing. Um, but like for the most part, like tune it out. So when I when I'm getting panicked though, like, like usually it's just trying to reset. Like yeah. I. I get really anxious and nervous leading up to, but as soon as I start tasting the coffees. It's in the zone. Yeah, it's just like, like so like there, it was just like, I don't know what I'm tasting. I'm just like, I'm just going to move on. And I moved on, and I got the remaining six, or I guess it was five at that point. I got the remaining five relatively easily. Hmm. And then I went back to group three. And after like going around, I was able to figure it out relatively easily as well. Like It took right. a little bit, but I was just like, oh. I think it's this one. I threw right. it forward. Cool. And I got seven out of eight. And the one that I got wrong was group two. Oh, oh right. The one, <laughs> the one that, that you kind, kind of like, like threw forward. Right. And from that point forward, every single round, so the remaining three, I went back for at least one or two groupings. And I got seven out of eight uh, for the next round. And then my final two, I got eight out of eight and eight out of eight. That's awesome. By going back. And so really changed your like. Well, my perspective on it, and I think, yeah, the the main thing is like you're in competition, and you just don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, you know, you don't want to go long too. You don't want to like add so much time because you can lose that way too. Yeah, right. But it's like both. at the same time, like accuracy is key. Yeah, people were moving on, so like someone got a seven out of eight, and they took seven minutes and forty seconds, hmm. and this was in the first round, and they got seven out of eight if they would have gotten a perfect score with that time they would have moved on Uh, but that seven out of eight was just too slow right that they were outside of it by maybe like 40 seconds to a minute right and so it's like it's hard because that's why our joke was like a fast seven or slow eight like you can take as much time as you want especially during those early rounds if you know you're going to get a perfect score right but it's hard to know if you're going to get a perfect score when you're getting down into it like there's several groupings like that are just difficult yeah and do you i mean as you were saying the differentiating factor is very small yeah right and like what can it be? It sounds like they make them kind of like all in the same category. They're either like smoky or yeah. floral or bitter. I don't know how they would categorize them. That's another mm-hmm. thing I'm super interested in. We could spend the whole <laughs> show talking about that. But can it be actually that it's all the same coffee bean but a different lot so, or, a yeah. different, or a roast or something? So most of the time, so what they're – the only instruction is they all have to be single-origin coffee, which means that it is from one location, one farm that coffee so if you're looking at it you have like all Ethiopia like this coffee there isn't Ethiopia and then Kenya or it's not Mexico and Brazil it's all all Ethiopia Ethiopia. and so that's the one requirement two they all have to be roasted to the same level of degree and you have uh it's called Actron reading yeah what does that mean I saw that so Actron is essentially the way the light reflects off of the coffee to tell you the exact color reading of it. So it's color grading. So it's essentially the most scientific and accurate way to tell you what roast level you're at. Hmm. Because, you know, seeing medium and dark. It's it's based on light reflection. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, And there's more science to it. I'm not on that science side. Yeah, yeah. Um, But at the very general (laughs) level, (laughs) um, yeah, you're you're seeing, like, essentially the, the darkness level of the coffee. And so, yeah, they all have to be within that same 
degree of risk level. And they're sourcing coffee from all over the country. And a lot of times they're given essentially the same coffee. So one roaster might have the exact same coffee as the roaster, a different roaster, and they're roasting it to the same level, but one roaster is going to taste a little different from the other roaster. Right. And so it's these little tiny subtleties, and they're not all going to be that level of difficulty too. Um, like, like I said, there were some that I'm going through that I was able to get pretty easily, and I think anyone who had been practicing enough would have gotten. Right. And there was probably for every round, there was at least three out of the eight yeah. that I would say any trained person would be able to get right away. Yeah. Uh, and so, so what are like the the main factors that you're looking to judge the coffee on when you're going through them like that? Is it it's aroma, flavor, mouthfeel? Yeah. Like what's so so mouthfeel for sure is a big one um, because sometimes the coffees are going to taste the exact same, and the only thing you're going to have to go off of is that texture. Wow. Which is a very difficult thing because. Texture is very hard to judge, yeah. especially with, like, they're all coffee. They're all roasted the same. They're all grinded the same. They're all brewed the same. Yeah. They should all have the same texture. Yeah. That's not always the case, but also, like, that's not something, like, that's something that you really have to train to find. Yeah, I imagine that, I'm, I'm guessing here right now, but that after drinking, like, I imagine that when you start drinking coffee, mm-hmm. coffee changes, like, the chemical composition in your mouth, which would make things yep. feel different, right? Maybe yeah, a little bit, yeah. And it's like it's you know it's hot coffee too, yeah. so like you have like and heat tends to make flavors more difficult to pick up. So like our we detect sweetness and we detect flavor best around room temperature or body temperature, hmm. and that's just kind of scientific from the way that like our bodies are made. So for instance, like. When we're, like, young and we're breastfeeding, like, body temp is where milk is going to be the sweetest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you kind of learn that, too, as a barista when you're steaming milk and things right. like that as well. Um, Jeez, I didn't uh, think we'd be bringing in breastfeeding. I, I didn't think we were, too. But <laughs> I mean, I was a breastfeeder with my kids. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> just, like, uh, we cover it all here. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, like, it, it kind of, like, shows, like, where our body is most... Ca- most comfortable yeah. tasting flavor. That's why yeah. you see I mean, like, cheese is better when it's at room temperature. Yeah. Cake is better both texture-wise and flavor when it's at room temperature. Exactly. So, yeah. And that's why you see these like beer companies, these cheap beer companies, just like, oh, it's cold as the Rockies or drink it super cold because on that other end of the spectrum, really cold is really hard to taste off flavors. And so that's why it. you see these, you know, different beer companies or even sometimes like whiskey or like you know, Jaeger, you just like throw it in your freezer right. kind of a thing because it's going to make it more palatable. Right. Hides um, the flaws. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> and so it kind of does the same thing on the opposite end for heat. And so some of those really subtle differences are going to be really hard to detect when it's hot. Right. I imagine that the coffee on your flights there are all within a certain range. Yeah, they all and have I guess to be the same all... temperature as well. They cool pretty fast. They do cool. Minutes? So like that's kind of, and I think that helped is when I was going back, when yeah. I would go back, it had cooled a good amount. Like really hot coffee cools really quickly. Hmm. I think everyone knows this who drinks coffee. Like right. if you're ever drinking black coffee, you go back to your coffee 20 minutes later and it's a completely different temperature. Right. So that's definitely the case where the coffee does cool pretty rapidly. Right. But it's still going to be hot. It's going to be warmer than you'd like. So when coffee is hot, acidity is hidden. 
It's very difficult to taste acidity. And as it cools, you can start to detect acidity a little bit better. And so, yeah, going through, like, the first thing you have to kind of identify is what type of coffee you're really trying. So, like, if it's really smoky, is it really acidic? Mm-hmm. And, like, acidity, like, just saying something is acidic, too, is, like, you know, like, lemons are acidic, blueberries are acidic, so all these different things. So, like, I'm tasting coffees, and one of the – most of the time I'm not really thinking. It's just, like, okay – um, acid, you You've know, been trained and your stuff. body kicks into like yeah. kind of intuition of knowing what these things are. Yeah. yeah. And so it's hard when you're tasting your first two cups sometimes, and this would happen several times where you're tasting your first two cups and they taste identical. Yeah. And you're like, I really hope this third cup tastes different. Like, tastes different. <laughs> it's going to make my job so and build much confidence, easier. I bet too. Right off <laughs> and the then bat. you taste the third one and then you're like, oh, okay. But sometimes you're like, okay, that one tastes the same. That one tastes the same. Please taste different. Yes. <laughs> taste the same. Oh. And so, um, so yeah, so that's like, there is the ones that I struggled the most on were ones that were very tea-like. So they're very light. They're very delicate. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I had to like kind of search for texture or really detect like what, because at the most basic level, if I could just determine this is more acidic than this one, I'm not sitting there being like, hmm, well, this one's blueberry and this right. one is straw. Like, you're there, like, you're you're working so quickly that I don't have time to really determine what acidity is which. Right. It's just like, oh, it's acidic. This one's less acidic. This one That's has it. to be the different one Yeah, kind of a thing. Oh, this one's smoky. This one's a little different kind of smoke. Okay, we're going to move, move on that way. Um, so with those really delicate ones, it was like that's when you have to like either one just kind of go off texture or you just have to spend some time and be like, okay, what is this acidity in your tasting? So like for instance, there's one that presented raisins mm. and I'm like, this tastes like raisins. These two don't. I hope I'm right. I hope that I'm just like that, that it's in. So because yeah. it's that subtle. It's like everything's the same, but you're getting this one little hint of something yeah and this is also after trying 24 coffees exactly this is usually the coffee that i'm going back to so not only have i tried 24 coffees like i'm going back to another group of three right and you're usually not doing taste 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 push it up forward it's like taste taste cup one taste cup two taste cup three let me taste cup three again let me taste cup two let me taste cup one okay i think Two and one are the same. Let me taste those two again. Now let me go back to three. Okay, three is definitely different. Push cut forward. Right. And so it's like that. Right. And so how much does, you know, so where it's, it's acidity, it's texture, it's bitterness. flavor, bitterness. Yeah. Um, what about aroma? You know, like, I mean, part of it is the slurp. You're talking yeah. about that spoon that gives you a good slurp. And so I guess when you're slurping, that's when you kind of bring up the, the, aromatic <laughs> compounds up into your nasal cavity and kind of experience the coffee that way like yeah it's it's kind of it's one of those things that probably the most pretentious thing about it is this like yeah slurping sound and you hear it the entire time and everyone has a different kind of slurp but what you're trying to do you see it with like wine sommeliers as yeah. well aerate you're it. trying to aerate it and you're trying to spread that liquid across your entire palate to try to hit every taste bud that you have and then you have this, uh, it's called uh, retronasal. And so that is like, so I'll do that. And then you'll see it looks like I'm chewing. And I'm just continuing to aerate it and make sure that everything's saturated yeah. in my mouth. And then the t- deciding like, all right, do I have enough information to go off of 
that I know what this coffee tastes like to go on to the next one. Right. Um, and so that is kind of getting that because you're going to get a lot of aromatic compounds um, through your scent through your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, I'm not sitting there smelling the coffee. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, even like as a first blush, you know, like I'm yeah. very scent oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that, I don't know, I feel like I always have been. I've been sensitive to it. But, you know, I also um, and ended up becoming certified in like essential oils and aromatic yeah. compounds. And so I've trained my nose mm-hmm. um, to be able to sense certain things, which just makes it more sensitive in general. And so I would feel like I'd want to get a first sniff of all of them to be like, okay, I'm going to start here because I'm I'm locked in here on scent. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really hard because a lot, like coffee tends to all smell relatively the same when it's brewed out like that. Mm. Um, and so you can like... It's kind of funny where you're watching, like I was watching other people go, because uh, I'm not watching when I'm going, so I can't really see what everyone else is doing. I'm not looking over to my side, being like, "Oh, or is it like right, I'm, I'm in the yeah, zone?" That, that would so be I'll helpful. be like, finish, and then I might like look over. I'm like, "Oh, there's two people going," or "Oh, I'm the last one to finish," kind of a thing. And when I was watching from the stands, watching other people go. There was a couple times where people were tasting. No one started off getting their nose in the cup. It was more so like they're struggling on this group, and then they're going in and they're trying to smell, which I think is kind of a panic move. Right. (laughs) If you can't taste the difference, you're not going to smell the difference because really there's so much like your taste has your, you know, scent is – kind of integral to it. Right. And so that's going to be the best way for you to determine differences. Right. Is through tasting. Right. And that's why you use the retronasal because you're aerating it and you're actually the smelling the co- yeah, Same you're time. you're getting those uh, scent molecules up into your entire um, you know, palate into your nose when you're doing that. And so when I see people doing that, it's kind of more as a panic move. Right. It's just like I cannot figure this out. Let me just try to smell. Right. My palate might be fatigued. Let me just get in there. And so I think it's viewed as that. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and it is a tasting competition. So, like, you know, the taste is going to be the thing. Right. Like, this is, if it was a scent thing, uh, they would probably orient it very differently. Right. To make it more aromatic in those ways. So that brings up for me, like, one of the coolest things that I've seen when I kind of go into looking at coffee because it's such an interesting plant you know Mm -hmm. um and you know and and the cannabis side you know we talk i mean we're getting more and more research we don't even really know how many compounds there actually are in the plant but we're up over 500 at this point Mm -hmm. we've been researching coffee a lot longer because it hasn't had the restrictions obviously the cannabis has and it's got over a thousand different chemical compounds i mean it's really diverse there's a lot going on um and you know, people have been trying to develop languages around coffee for yeah. a long time. You know, and that's just kind of just starting. I mean, I'm not to say that there's not a lexicon and a nice heritage and language in the legacy market with cannabis, but it's changing now that it's coming out into the open. Yeah. And we're starting to have more of that talk about terroir and what the specific flavors are and, and how to create a system of um, um standardized, for sure. a better term, standardized ways of identifying those. And coffee does that really well. Like, there's actually, like, a flavor wheel, is, right? Yeah. And there's, like, certain flavor profiles that, you know, like, they've identified that raspberry actually is 
this. Like if we're talking about raspberry and coffee, yeah. it is like it's a specific note, yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and so, well, because co- I was just gonna say, like, do you did you train with that? Was that part of your training to understand all of that, or kind of? So taste is entirely subjective. The way that I perceive flavors is going to be very different from the way that you perceive flavors. Right. Um, and flavors and, taste and aroma together, right? I feel like I always yeah right yeah okay, I it's a combination. So. <clears throat> um, and so, like when we're when we're getting into what does something taste like, that is uh, very uh, memory oriented is the easiest way to explain it. So hmm. when it comes to something like with your other senses, let's say touch, hearing, things like that, you react much quicker. That's why if you ever touch something hot, you'll move your hand before you feel it burn. Right. Um, because your, I believe it's your left brain, is saying move your hand before you actually get hurt. You have to gain experiences to know what you can and can't eat. Um, that's why we get aversions to s- certain foods, right. even though we know they're safe. Like I had an aversion to bacon for a long time, which was just Poor terribly you. sad. Uh, <laughs> finally got over it. But yeah. like for a while, like I couldn't go anywhere near it because I got bacon from a motel breakfast and oh, it was freezer burnt and it was oh, yeah. made me sick and I couldn't go anywhere near it. And then from that point forward, my body and my brain was saying, hey, I smell this thing. Or I taste this. Not good. This for made you, you sick last time. Exactly. Stay away. Um, and so the way that's how we view flavor because huh. it is very much like memory oriented. So when I'm tasting coffee and I'm doing this in a cupping setting that isn't for competition, and I'm actually trying to decide what is this flavor note that I'm tasting, uh, it goes to memory, and you have to kind of work your way backwards, which is weird. So like for instance, if I'm tasting something, uh, and I'm just like, this reminds me of the beach. And, like, you just, okay, why is the beach coming to my head? And you have to work yourself. It's just like, okay, beach, okay, uh, sunscreen. <laughs> so sunscreen, oh, uh, you know what? Sunscreen is usually, like, coconut right. scented coconut yeah, or tropical. Yeah. And for someone who hasn't had that same experience, they're not going to perceive it the same way. And not everyone's going to be like, this reminds me of the beach. Right. <laughs> also, the beach isn't a flavor thing. You have to exactly. figure out what is your brain telling you because mm. all flavor notes and everything are just chemical compounds right. that it's trying to. So for me to, you know, like be like, okay, this kind of tastes to me like strawberry, but like from like a strawberry pop tart, you know, like that tart, mm-hmm. like almost like gummy, like yeah. jamminess to it. If you haven't had a strawberry pop tart, you're not going to perceive that flavor as strawberry pop tart. Right. But you might have had something like a, you know, blueberry danish. And you're just like, oh, well, you know, like it doesn't taste like raspberry, it tastes like blueberry. We're tasting the exact same thing. We have a different memory associated with that flavor compound. Right. And so that's why you have people who are tasting two completely separate things. You want to be on the same wavelength. So for instance, like, you know, whether it's lime or lemon or something like that, mm-hmm. isn't really that important. But if someone's just like, hmm, this tastes like lime, is like, well, actually, I think this tastes like salt water or something. It's just like, those are two very different things. And so right. that's where the flavor wheel kind of comes into hand is more based on, you can taste any number of these things with this kind of compound. Got and it. so you're not going to taste smoke in a place where it's actually raspberry or something right. like that. Right. So when you say this kind of compound, does that mean that uh, 
Like, are you referring back to, like, the different varietals and, like, the different terroir of a certain a coffee bean so that, like, certain coffee beans don't have that because they weren't grown on those conditions or they weren't cured or roasted? Because I'm sure that maybe roasting changes things. It's like it does an extraction. It kind of changes the, yeah. the compounds in the so plant. So kind of the same way when you're cooking and you're making a steak or vegetables, that mired reaction that happens when you're cooking and you're browning something is going to change the chemical compounds in that you know, meat, you know, vegetable. I know people who hate Brussels sprouts, but as soon as you get them fried up, they're like, oh, <laughs> right. now this, this is a good food. Yes. You're changing the compounds of that food. Right. You're changing the flavor of it. Green coffee is disgusting. <laughs> like, if you were to try to eat, first of all, it's super bitter it's, or it's, sour or it's something. De- like, it's dense. It's very grassy. It's very herbaceous. Uh, mm. It's it's not a very pleasant tasting food on its own, and it's, it's actually not very good for you to ingest without it being roasted. Hmm. Uh, but as soon as you roast it, that depending on what level you roast it to, if you're going pretty light, you're going to get you know a lot of acidity from it, and that's where you're going to get like maybe strawberries, blueberries, different things. But each region is going to change the way that the coffee tastes as well. Right. And then as you go darker and darker and darker, it's going to taste more and more similar to each other. Right. So that's why in the competition, they have it a little bit darker to try to make all those coffees taste a little bit more similar. If you were to have all really light roasts on the table, it might be difficult in a different way, but because they're more delicate, but there's going to be a lot more subtlety because you're going to get a lot more of that terroir from the coffee. Gotcha. So, because things that are going to tell you flavor notes of the coffee kind of beforehand is the regions. So where it's being grown, that's going to have soil elevation. So very high elevation coffees are going to tend to be uh, much more acidic. They're going to be much more fruity, Mm. vibrant. And so that kind of goes with the temperature changes because it happens, coffee's grown around the equator. Right. And so looking at coffee at very high elevations, that there's going to be a lot of freezing and it's going to get really hot. And so you're going to get a lot of temperature change within that coffee cherry versus something very low elevation or lower elevation. You're not going to have that same temperature variance, hmm. which does a lot of effect. Yeah. And so, you know, this makes me think, and I knew this was going to happen because we're coming up on <laughs> yeah. time here. <laughs> there's so much more I want to talk about. But, um, you know, this makes me think of cannabis cultivars again, too. Yeah. And just this idea that, you know, uh, you know, how do, how do I want to phrase this? I think about uh, people's experience of cannabis, and for so long, it's all been kind of geared towards THC, that that's the compound in the plant that is determining the experience yeah. for the person. Um, and so, uh, you know, I can compare that to coffee, and we can think of the caffeine, yeah. you know, as what's driving, which is the fuel or what's driving mm-hmm. the experience for people. And, you know, as we know more and more about cannabis and people become enthusiastic about it, we realize it's so much more than that. It's about the other cannabinoids, it's about the terpenes, it's about the flavonoids. Um, And they're all going to be contributing towards either some sort of therapeutic or wellness benefit that the person is looking for, or some people are just looking for a certain experience. You know, it's not about, like, go to sleep or whatever. It's like, no, I just really want to enjoy smoking this flower and I want it to taste a certain way and and to give it me a certain kind of euphoria. Um, Can we have that same conversation about coffee, you know, or is it different? I mean, I know we do in terms of taste. I'm just wondering, like, what does that conversation look like 
for somebody who's like developed the craft as much as you have in the coffee space. Yeah, I mean, it's there. There is a lot of that similarity. I think because you have to move into this realm of like the factors that all go behind how it's produced and made. Yeah. Um. So that's why like there's been a lot of difficulty to source ethical coffee for such a long time. And now we get to see this more ethical, fair trade coffee mm-hmm. that's coming out uh, in most of your reputable th- third wave, like specialty coffee shops and coffee roasters are going to carry high quality, well-sourced coffee. Yeah. And so when it comes to that, it's looking at everything that goes into how that coffee got into your cup. So you want to look at the producers. So who's the farm that's coming from? who's picking the coffee, who is taking it and processing it. You know, you're going to have your dry or natural process. You have wet or wash processing. And then you have even more beyond that. And, like, how much work is going into just getting that bean to get to your roaster? And then what are they going to do with that coffee? Right. Once it's green, how are you going to roast it? And I think a lot of it is just respect for that coffee and everything that came from that process. You know, there's a lot of commodity coffee out there as yeah. well, which is very cheap. You know, that is where you're looking at you know, the caffeine. Just right. give me just that Folgers. Caffeine. I don't right. care. The buzz. Just, exactly. Just, yeah. I just need something more of a to drug. get me going. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, it is a drug. It is. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just way more socially acceptable. Yes, for some exactly. <laughs> uh, and so. But yeah, like, and yeah, it's just showing the proper respect. And I think that is kind of the biggest thing is just, there's a lot of hands that went into making that cup of coffee that you're going to sit there and drink every single morning. Yeah. Um, And I think it's, you know, we're not saying, that's why I'm not saying trying to be like, oh, well, you can't put cream and sugar into your coffee because at the end of the day, if that gets you to drink something that a lot of hands went into... I'm all about it. Yeah. My biggest saying is the best coffee is the coffee you like to drink the way you like to drink it. Um, You're here. Yeah. I took that from a, from a whiskey channel that I liked, <laughs> and they were saying the same thing about whiskey because they're just like, I don't care if you drink it straight, if you drink it over ice, if you drink it with Coke. If you're drinking whiskey, like, hey, I like whiskey. That means you like whiskey too. Yes. Um, and I think coffee is kind of the same way Yeah. because whether you're drinking it with cream, sugar, vanilla, whatever you put into it, Someone took time to make that, and you are taking their product. Yeah. And you, you know, like there's a thousand different ways that that coffee can be consumed, processed, everything. At the end of the day, we're all having a cup of coffee that started at the same place. Right. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, that is cool. All right. Well, let's end it there. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's super exciting. And do you have... uh, ambition here i mean before you go like are you like like who goes out of the world or is that a thing that you want to do or like you know you proved yourself that is the (laughs) uh, first place person from each one so of the six competitions first place from each one gets to go to worlds um i came in second yeah so i do not get to go to worlds worlds this year is in athens wow (laughs) that would have been cool yeah Uh, i i mean i i was just super honored to go to the national stage to begin with i was like if i can move on from round one i'll be plenty happy and here I am coming in second place so that gives me one of three options going forward I'm either going to be the disappointment next year <laughs> I'm going to be the perpetual second place or I have very very little room for improvement yeah um, 
watch. I'm gonna finally win, and then they're gonna have the world competition like Cleveland. <laughs> I just, I just know. I'm like, oh, I got first. Where's Worlds? Ah, uh, it's in, uh, you know, Tallahassee. <laughs> All right. Well. well, we'll be rooting for you. Thank you. And yeah. Thanks again so much, and uh, we'll see you around at uh, Brio. Yeah. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks go out to my creative crew at High Fidelity, Olaf Willoughby and Shane Lynn, and to the team at Syntax in Motion for producing this show. A special shout out to Will Davis, my sound engineer. Thanks to you for listening to us today. If you enjoy what you heard, subscribe on our website, hi5vt.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Better yet, like, share, rate, or leave a comment. You can request topics or interviews for our show by emailing us at bewell at hi5et.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, be well and have fun out there.